Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside Zachary, your other host. Welcome. What's going on, ladies and gents? We're back with season four, episode two, titled Heathens. Is this season the first season that we've had titles on episodes? I kind of think it is, but... I might be wrong. I'm just Maybe they started in, in season three. I'm just remembering this now. Nope, no. season three is not, no title. Season four is the first one where we started labeling things. Yeah, so interesting. I didn't really notice I wonder why it. they took that shift. I think every good series names their episodes. I think they realize, guys, we're in that category. We can't just do this episode one, episode two. I'm just saying, I'm just theorizing. So, I guess... I guess maybe what we should do is name our episodes from season three or after season three, the name of the episode instead of saying episode four. I think we should still four. do episode four, but then put like in apostrophes, you know, heathens, you know? All right. All right. Otherwise, how the hell are you going to know? Well, th- this that's true. But the season and the episode is stored with the information. So who knows? It might show up. I'll have to give it a shot. You know, if it ain't broke, as they say. All right, let's get into it. Start the episode here. We are immediately following the aftermath of John Boy and Michael getting shot up. We didn't know what came of them, what became of them. I thought they were both dead, to be honest with you, when I first Mm -hmm. saw this scene. Same here. Um, But it turns out, It's just John Boy. John Boy is dead. And Michael is fighting for his life in the hospital. And uh, in the last episode, the reason John Boy was shot is partially because he didn't heed the direction from Tommy, who instructed everybody to make their way to Small Heath. Mm -hmm. Because that's their strongest territory. Gotta gotta ask, Tommy standing butt naked in this room. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, his little boy don't got to see that. You know what I mean? I mean, he's still Maybe, sleeping. He doesn't know. different back then. <laughs> but uh, they're all back in small heat because that's the territory where, as Tommy says, every every man within a square mile is a soldier for us. 
you know they know every face every name exactly so esme being the hero that she is and now she wants to blame tommy and all that stuff like get that shit out of here all right when you got (laughs) married to john boy you got married to the shelby's all right what are you doing on your little high horse in the countryside i'm done being nice to esme i'm taking off my gloves i know technically the actor who plays john boy what's his name joe cole ah yeah joe cole and finn yeah joe cole wanted out of the show Honestly, mm-hmm. if I ever have Joe on the show, I'll tell I'll tell him to his face, "Yo, big fan, why? Why did you leave the show? How long of a commitment is Peaky Blinders truly to just You're young, man. You're young. Just finish the role." You know? Lord yeah. knows that John Boy could have been used in further se- in like future seasons, you know? Yeah. We're rushing I mean, some shit. We're starting a whole character arc because you want off the show. I hate when actors do that shit. I I, I hate agree. it. Okay, if you're I on agree. a good show, you were celebrating like hell when you got the role. So now you get to season four. You're literally renewed. You know how much of a blessing it is to get a show renewed? I understand mm-hmm. if it was like season 15, okay? <laughs> yeah. But it's season four. You signed up. You knew it was Killian's show from mm-hmm. the beginning. Is it Killian or Cillian? I mean, you've always called it Killian. And I've heard other people say Killian Murphy. I've always wondered, though. Yeah. Maybe we could talk to him and ask him one day. But that'd be nice. I'm just frustrated because I like John Boy as a character, and it just—I saw Gangs of London. His character wasn't all that great, and you know what I mean. No, it wasn't. I mean, I, I think his character is much stronger in this show. I think there's I do, potential. I do like John Boy, I think a lot, there's potential though, for that character. I just yeah, there's definitely potential for it. You know. Well, we're seeing in the aftermath here of this family. Tommy's trying to play strong and. Arthur's kind of just back in the fold now. No choice. Uh, I know Linda doesn't want him in the lifestyle, but it's one of those yeah. things where... You're a blinder, man. Your brother was Shelby. just killed. I mean, that's the same thing with Linda. Like, what are you doing? You know who you married? Like, what is up with this regret after you say your nuptials? Like, what did you not do? Did you not read the scouting report that this guy was one of the, one of the most feared gangsters in all of London? Like, what the... F- you want to become all Christian and religious after that? Give yeah. me a break. Give me a break. If you get <laughs> married to Al Capone, are you going to come into Al Capone's life and tell him he needs to change? How about you just don't get fucking married to Al Capone? But it's the bad boys, man. Then be a bad just girl. Like the bad be boys. a bad girl and take it to the grave. You know, it <laughs> is what it is. You know? I do find it very interesting. Be a good wife. Be supportive. What are you doing running off? There's just a lot of bad behavior going on here in this show. And, yeah. and what is Tommy trying to do? He's just trying to put things aside. I'm going on a tangent here. I'm not even talking you are about... You're going on a, on a bit of a tangent, yeah. But it is... But it's a recap of the episode. It's what happens. What is Tommy trying to do? He's trying to put all the pettiness of the almost hangings behind him. Mm-hmm. And his family. And you got Esme, who she's going to take the kids on the road. Lord knows John has like 20 kids at this point. They're literally <laughs> like the Weasleys. Yeah. So those kids aren't going to be targets. A little bit of a plot hole there, but well, maybe. they are protected by the Lees, and you know they're they're out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe they're just too hard to find. Yeah, I think the one thing that sticks out here in the grieving scene of Esme is what Tommy continues to think back on is what the curse that she lays on him and Arthur as she kicks them out of um, the morgue. She <laughs> says, "No peace for either of you ever." Yeah. And it cuts back to Tommy. I had never noticed that. And in this scene, we're constantly cutting back to Tommy, who's showering, and, um, and to his son, who's sleeping. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's get to Polly. In this episode, she talks about how she's free, how when the news came off of her, she felt finally like how Arthur and Tommy do, and John Everybody as well. Everybody after the, after the war, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tommy actually specifically recounts the story of why he says anything after that is extra. Mm-hmm. That he considers himself dead. After. I never actually knew the story until I, I just heard it again now. He, he recites it at John's funeral. And it's that they were cut off from the retreat. They ran out of bullets mm-hmm. and they were expecting the enemy to come back for them. And while they were waiting, Jeremiah, the who's a, the pastor now, he said, let's sing in the bleak midwinter. And so they sang it. The enemy never came and they were spared. So they said, anything after this is extra. Mm-hmm. So Polly now feels that after she was spared from the noose, that everything now is extra. Which kind of goes contrary to the way she behaves earlier in the episode because she's being super petty. Very contrary. She's extremely petty. I imagine there were some deleted scenes here that kind of like ramped her up to that change of heart. Mm. Maybe it was after the speech Tommy gave at the funeral. But yeah. she's being very um, counter to anything Tommy says. She's not going along peacefully with the plan. Although she's totally in line with the plan. She knows without Tommy, they're all dead. Um well, she she's she's somebody who doesn't want to be around Tommy because she feels this is, you know, everything that's gone on is his fault. Which I mean, it it is really realistically to a degree it is, um, but she knows she has no other choice. She's dead. Her son's dead if she doesn't go with him. I mean, even in her response, everybody else says peace, peace, peace. She says truce because it's only for a time. Yeah. The only person who abstained in there was Linda. She said nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you're just being difficult to be difficult. You got a child. Can you think about your child before you think of yourself? Well, I mean, I don't think there was a single point in which which she was. I mean, we get to it a little bit later, like at the funeral with her. She just wants to go home. She doesn't care. She thinks that she's above all of this. And for some reason, nobody's going to target her. It's just the most stupid logic I'm sure the actress who plays Linda reads those lines also and she's like really I'm not gonna just peacefully go to my apartment I'm gonna go to the countryside where my brother-in-law was just shot to death on his doorstep mm-hmm. with my newborn child brilliant <laughs> anyways uh, Tommy in his effort to ramp up the security that they have decides that he's gonna bring Abarama Gold a I guess a, a, like an opposing or a fellow gypsy clan like the Lees into yeah. the fold. And Johnny Dogs is hilariously against these. He says, <laughs> Tommy, no, I'll get you 50 good Lee boys. And uh, just a good way of like building the legend of Abarama before you actually see him on screen. You know, mm-hmm. he says, they're savages, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, Johnny Dogs desperately wants to impress the golds by having like a feast later in this episode and the way that they prepare it oh i know it's hilarious i'll go get the potatoes yeah yeah (laughs) well he's bringing them on board anyways and there's nothing anybody can do about it uh i gotta say do you get the sense that changretta has like this massive force yeah i mean it's like the italian army Right, I feel like they do a really bad job of showcasing how powerful Changretta is. 
Well, we haven't seen too much of him just yet. It's like there's a funeral. You know it's a funeral. And you send mm-hmm. two men? Well, no. He didn't send those men. Then who were those two men? Those were just two Italian men in the area that heard about what had been going on and wanted a piece of the action. And it was Tommy and his men who fed the information about this entire uh funeral procession going on where they came i mean tommy you talked so about those were not changretta's men those were not at all changretta's men where did you where went, did you hear that or where did you from tommy's mouth i missed that completely they yeah. did seem super unprofessional they were really unprofessional <laughs> they were just like two little well did know you notice you one them. of them looked just like oscar isaac did you I'm get to that part fa- i'm not familiar with the face you know who oscar isaac is right no didn't you Google search him? Because you've seen I like did, seven I movies I did Google with him. search him. The only thing I know that he was in was Ex Machima. Did you not see Dune? No, I haven't seen Dune yet. Have you not seen... Uh, he's in that... You wouldn't have watched that. Uh, he's in a bunch of shit, man. He's in a bunch of shit. I heard he was in like some Star Wars thing, right? Yeah, he's in a Star the Wars Disney movie. thing. Yeah. He plays Poe in... Uh, Oh, that's who he plays. Yes. Okay. Right. Look at the Italian in this shot here. And look mm-hmm. as he unloads his gun. It's around the... What mark is this? Around the 1638 mark. Look mm-hmm. at this guy. Yeah. No, that's not him, buddy. Do you mean the guy just getting stabbed to death right now? No. This guy. Right here. How is that yeah, not Oscar I c- Isaac? I can see it. I can see it. I gotta look it up. We're gonna do a little tangent here. Was Oscar Isaac in Peaky Blinders? And the verdict is. No, it doesn't seem to be that he was in it. Uh-huh. It looks identical to him, though. It It's definitely his doppelganger, that's for sure. I, You know, I wonder why Tommy did this. Did they have any connection to the Changretas at all? What was the purpose? They're Italian. So we're just going to kill just two Italians? Yeah, they took one of theirs. We take two of theirs. That's why I thought it was Changretta's men, because of that line. Nah, it's not. I mean, initially I thought it was, you know, when we first, or when I first watched this at least. But watch what Tommy says here. I mean, obviously it's our men doing the firing, don't return fire. But once, I believe once uh, Abarama Gold brings the man in, we hear that, it's not Shangretta's men. It's two local Italians. I gotta I gotta say, when This is like I, I want I feel like this was like bait, you know, for Abarama Gold so that he could come in, right? Like this is the You've gotta you've gotta lure, lure him some somehow. This is it, I guess, You're giving him a Completely wrong. Really? You are completely right. wrong. Just wait till we get there. Who's dead? Our enemies. Our enemies, right? You want to know, Paul? Who's dead? Two fucking no good Italians for themselves. That's who. 
We got word of them to them about the funeral. Told Abraham to do the rest. Oh, so he was sending a message. Yeah, so it's it's not Shingrata's men. It's just two local no-good Italians. So Tommy was in. using an opportunity to send a message to all Italians who want to get involved in this vendetta. That's Because mm-hmm. there's always like some subtext with Tommy's plans that I'm always like, it doesn't make sense. The plan really then is not just to kill two guys to send a message to Changreta. The real message is to send the message to all the Italians in the area to not get ahead of themselves and think that they're going to be able to be some heroes in this vendetta that they're going to be mm-hmm. killed just like these two guys were yep interesting exactly i like finally after paulie kind of calls out tommy for using his own brother's funeral mm-hmm. for a trap which is kind of scummy but it's you know they're, it is a they're, little scummy. they're in war he does set everybody straight he says you know what anybody who doesn't want to be here anybody who does not want <laughs> yeah. to survive can get the hell out but you know I'm right. It's like we're just fighting for no reason. You know what exactly. I'm doing is is with everybody's best interest in mind. You know? So this gears us up towards, I believe this is Boxing Day at this point because they all missed Christmas. And this takes us to uh, the feast that they have. But before that, we see Michael f- has fully recovered in the hospital for the most part. Well, he, he's still weak. Fully recovered. He's awake. He's awake, but he's, He's you still going to be there for a few weeks. He's recovered in terms of conscious and not yeah trying not to die of blood loss <laughs> so in the, even in his weakened state he gets he sets his mom straight he says listen I, you know you gotta i'm gonna get better slow but you gotta get better fast yeah because without you tommy goes nuts and without tommy we're all gonna die pretty much that's essentially the gist of it and uh, he does promise promise his mom that he will leave with her to australia once this business is settled yeah you know, I, I don't I don't know if it was at that speech that Tommy gave or or if this little message from Michael is kind of what sends her to the point where she starts to understand the fact that uh she had already died, kind of like what she's living now is extra. She's she still she's still sort of erratic in the hospital. She she is right now, but Michael just said something to her. So I'm wondering if it was like the snap into takes, yeah, yeah like i'm wondering if that was kind of one of the triggers or if if not the trigger makes sense it's kind of like you know steven knight always says that he pictures before the season one episode one that tommy put a gun to his head mm-hmm. and decided you know he essentially has kind of like this doesn't believe in anything point of view so he's like if life is purposeless i might as well make it amazing you know might as well make mm-hmm. it great and just do whatever i want to do and so that's kind of the premise. And Polly kind of just decides to do the same thing mm-hmm. right now based off, but for the love of her son, you know? Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, because when Tommy and Polly talk later in the, in the, during the feast, you get the vibe that, like, Tommy and Polly's relationship is more like mother and son than it is, you know, advisor and, you know, business partner. Yeah. How do you like the scene with Abarama trying to buy Charlie's uh, scrapyard and, Tommy, you know? Tommy threatening to take his daughter, uh, take her, take his daughter for his pleasure, so to speak. I'm not gonna lie. The first time that I I ever watched this, when uh, Abarama walks in and is like, "Oh, how much for the yard?" I was like, I was a little disappointed and, and sad. I'm like, "No, he's gonna sell Charlie's yard. He doesn't have an option." Uh, mm-hmm. But I love the way Tommy Tommy gets out of this the coin toss, the sacred coin toss perfect because it's it's like this 
you want to you wanna come in here and disrespect us? Let me disrespect you. You know, because Tommy's not calling him in the nature of, of any disrespect. He's calling him for help. And he's mm-hmm. coming in and trying to take advantage of the position that Tommy's in, thinking that he can leverage more than he's able to. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, a little bit of a negotiation ploy. Tommy Shelby OB. <laughs> as, as everyone knows who's probably watching this show, it's it's incredible to see Littlefinger from Game of Thrones in this role. Zach, have you seen Game of Thrones? No, not yet. Unreal, bro. I mean, it's, it. on, it's on my list, but you're not locking <laughs> you me sh- in a closet with pizza. To- <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> not happening. Not happening. You honestly should be banned as co-host of this show until you finish <laughs> Game of Thrones. Like, I don't think like you should legally be allowed to host a television show. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. A, a podcast about... Yeah, like I'm. I I've, think that's. I've, I've been a connoisseur of television before Game of Thrones came out. Yeah, buddy, but you just missed one that was like a staple of TV. I've had Mad Men. I'm good. I don't think you are. I think that's ignorance. That's like more <laughs> doubling down. It's like doubling down on your own ignorance. <laughs> it's on my list. When I have when I have the time, I'll get to it. All right. Well, they actually just announced there's going to be a, an additional show with Jon Snow, which I can't tell you anything because you're you're a plebe. That's a shame. A That's a shame. I should just spoil it for you. That's what I should do. I mean, I'll forget it by the time I start watching. You won't it, so. trust me. You won't. It will ruin the show. But I won't do that to you, buddy. All right. Well. Polly, in her nature of pettiness, decides to have a truce on her own terms by standing off to the side while everyone else sits at the table in peace. Uh, <laughs> but I do like the makeup scene here between Tommy and Polly, where she calls him out. Essentially, she gets a, a sense of the business. All right, what, where, what kind of territories? Like, which ones are in danger? Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the whores that you're sleeping with. You know, are you vetting them? Mm-hmm. Where are you bringing them in from? They're going to use your weakness. She's essentially calling him stupid. And then Tommy kind of calls her out here too. He says, look, our mother went this way. It's, that's the part where I'm like, he's talking to her like it's his mother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Polly's got some sass. Just a little bit, Zach. A little bit? Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of like her key characteristic, man. Oh, I know. I know. I just don't like it when she's against uh, against Tommy. It, it's 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 like when, when you see your parents fighting or something. He did almost get them hung. I think that's one it's thing true. to keep in mind. But this is the first the time cheek, they've really spoken. Yeah, sure. Uh, this, this is the first time they've really spoken one-on-one since the whole ordeal. At least that's what yeah. we're... That's what the evidence we have here to believe or suggest. Yeah, I mean, she's she's kind of blown him off in every opportunity that he's had to try and help or show concern or anything like that, even she, with sending Michael with messages. Yeah, she even, I mean, she says that she's only there because Michael wanted her to help Tommy. But she mm-hmm. does give him a key bit of information. She says she sees things now, sees things that people want without them saying anything. And um, she's got the sense that Abarama is after something, which we find out is for Tommy to take on his son as a legitimate boxer, not yeah. someone that throws fights or anything like that or 
he wants him to achieve his dream as a championship boxer. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that boxing match later. Uh, that takes place between Bonnie Gold and a man who's like 250 pounds heavier than him. Dude, he's huge. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that in a little bit. We also find out that Ada is on a list of people of interest mm-hmm. because of her marriage to Freddie Thorne. Yeah. Even though he's dead. And did she keep the name Thorne or did she change it back to Shelby? She kept the name Thorne, I believe. Mm. You got to love the fact that Linda, although as being as difficult as she is, stands up for Ada here and kind of gets her back when Moss comes over to talk about the sister to her. Yeah. I was wondering, though, why Moss went to Linda and Arthur's house instead of to Tommy. Just call Tommy? I don't know. I mean, maybe he had already tried, and so this was the next stop. Maybe. That's kind of like what makes the most sense, I think. Yeah. Although, did did, I... I mean, they didn't live together when they were in Birmingham, did they? Who? The Shelbys. Maybe. They all had their own place. Maybe. I I wouldn't be surprised if they were all in the same building. I mean, it kind of... I, I kind of don't remember seeing them... In this, like, in this alone scenario. in this city, other than just, like, in their bedroom. Yeah, I don't, like, there's, they never really show a complete home of Tommy's in, in Small yeah. Heath. Mae Carlton's cameo in this episode was really random. She's in there for, like, two seconds. Yeah. She's just there to pick up a horse, and Curly spills everything about their current business oh to her. Oh, my gosh, I know. It reminds me of a certain somebody at a certain point in time that I won't talk about. Yes. <laughs> that's all i will say to that yes yeah <laughs> all right I let's love, get i in. love curly though i, I, forget I always forgive curly yeah. i i love the line in this episode when he's told to dump the bodies but to not <laughs> let it be to be, not sink them too deep because he needs to send a message to changretta and to the italians yeah. and he says okay tom but tell jenna to save me some goose <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs a curly yeah all right, so let's get to this boxing match. I don't like to critique. Yeah, what the hell am I talking about? Yeah, I don't like to critique. It's just it's my job. It's just the whole show is about like <laughs> analyzing and breaking down episodes here. Exactly. Tommy hires what seems to be a former heavyweight champ, I think is how he introduces him. He's a heavyweight, yeah. and he wants to, him to fight Bonnie, who's a welterweight. And for those who are not sporting enthusiasts Teach me. in the audience... Walter Wade is much lighter than heavyweight. Much, yes. much. I, I'm assuming this guy has at least 100 pounds on Bonnie. At least. At All least. Right? I would have to say Bonnie would be dead in this boxing ring, no matter what his... Dude, like, one punch, man. Like, I don't buy this match. Like, I just... You know, I get it. I can't suspend the big my guy disbelief. Out, if you tire the big guy out, you can get a few good hits in at some point. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Give me a but, break. I mean, you got to have some weight behind you to begin with. Give me and a, this is like 20 seconds into the match. Give me a break, man. It's like the guy's only throwing jabs at Bonnie. 
I understand Bonnie's fast here, but he Bonnie's knocks him Iron out Man. too. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know if he knocks him out, but he definitely knocks him out. Oh, ass. he knocks him on his ass, man. Already over. Literally, it was a twenty-second fight. I mean, I know it's a show, but it's I mean, the first you, time. You it's the first time Tommy's punch, like man. visually like impressed punches. by somebody. <laughs> and he honestly has a different mindset here with Bonnie. Yeah. He doesn't have the mindset of believing in him as a champion. He sees he's, he sees him as a money machine. Oh, I was gonna say like the moment I saw uh, Tommy's face, it reminds me of uh, Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, when he gets the dollar bills, <laughs> the, the dollar his eyes. Size. Yeah, that's that's all I could think of when I saw that. He sees him as this opportunity, like you know. He says you have the horses, but the horse can't throw the race. You know. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who you can literally tell him to throw a match. Yeah. Except he doesn't do that. All he right. wins everything. So this is the second meeting between Jesse Eden and Tommy we get in this episode. And she's the local like union organizer, socialist chick. Mm-hmm. Who is there really just for good purposes, but at the end of the day, she doesn't understand the motives that tommy has for things to go to shit in his factories right now yeah and that motive is he benefits from lawlessness at this moment where he's dealing with a vendetta he has to settle with changretta right Mm -hmm. um so he kind of just spurs her to blow the whistle because at the end of the day he needs this sort of rule of law to go out the window in order for him to do what he needs to do speaking of which oh yeah no no go ahead and say Oh, I was just going to say, like, it really confuses me, or I just don't understand. Like, they blow the whistle and everybody just stops working. Like, what? what is the significance of that whistle? Yeah, like, they're, all in, we- they're all in on it. They're all part of the union. They all know that they're, you know, if they don't all do it together, then it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, well, of course, but I don't know. I was always kind of just like taken back by the fact that that was a thing. At the end of episode two, we do get the first confrontation between Luca Chan, Greta and Tommy Shelby. What did you think of this confrontation for the first time? Did you like Chan Greta's James Bond villain-esque speech? Dude, I was literally just going to say, it reminds me of James Bond. Like that's all I was thinking of. Oh, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Let me tell you my exact plans (laughs) rather than just coming in here and blowing your brains out. I'm going to kill you and your family. I sounded more Russian than Italian. Well, I did just watch a Russian season, so. It's true, it's true, it's true. Fair. Stranger Things and, and the last season of this, I, I, it's hard to switch it off. Yeah. It's interesting, right? The uh, the lack of security that Tommy has. I mean, you don't, I feel like you really don't get the sense of how powerful Changreta is because you never really see his soldiers at work. I mean, no. they've already failed. They let Michael live. I mean, they failed. They could have walked 15 feet. Double cap, double tap they, him. They, I'm sure they also weren't expecting Michael to be there. So it's not like they went on a mission to kill Michael. Oh, so they're like, they're hey, hey boys, this isn't a two for one. They're on a mission to kill John. We were supposed boy. to get him like, down the hey, street. Give me a we break. We did our job, man. I mean, we got one. Give me a break. What would you do? What would you do if you were a Changretta? Would you fire those guys for incompetence? I would. No, I wouldn't fire him. I'd shoot him in the head. Oh, wow. There we go. 
answers my question. <laughs> you asked me what I'd do if I was saying Greta. Yeah, you answered my I'd, question. I'd shoot him in the head for failing right there. There you go. All right, there we go. My answer, I guess I win the argument then. I win the argument. You just said, <laughs> you just said. You, well, I said what I would do if would I you, was uh, Shane Greta, but if I was the man, I'd be like, man, you sent us on a mission to kill one dude. We oh, got so him. you'd be totally the worker who has zero <laughs> accountability. You didn't tell us to walk over after we shot him, Luca. No, you didn't no, tell us. not at all. I definitely do think it was sloppy, though. I don't know how you could try to go assassinate somebody and not just, just double tap them. I also don't understand how you could fire a sum of around 300 rounds at two individuals out in the clear open from about 50 paces and not hit them. I want to say this. Every time we talk about assassinations and murders and stuff like that, I always get concerned. That like the SEO is gonna pick it up. <laughs> yeah, you do get a little too excited, but <laughs> that like the government's gonna like pick up on all the assassination comments. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about the bullet flick across the table. Mm-hmm. It, did they actually capture this this perfectly? What do you mean? Look at the flick and how the bullet goes perfectly across the table and stops. Oh yeah. Look at this flick. Look at the capture the bullet and look at it go across the table perfectly and stop next to the glass. Well, it that's like Walter White's pizza toss, bro. (laughs) They did cut to a close up. They did, but look at the bullet on the actual wall. I saw it. I saw it. It It stopped. Bounced off the chair. No, it didn't bounce off the chair. It stays on the table the whole way. Well, I'm not saying it went off the table. Uh, from my angle, it looks like it like touches the arm of the chair that's like sitting on the table. You get into that, specific that kind of here. Look at the tape. That's all just I have to everybody say. Everybody knows this is the seventh time Mario's just played this for me. Yeah, I've rewinded it about eight <laughs> times here. Actually, let's do it nine times one more time. Let's go. Look at I that. Mean, it's definitely a great flick. All t- like, where do you rate it in terms of flicks? I mean, I would, I'd probably give it, Is I'd it give it like Mount, a solid nine. Mount Rushmore of flicks? It's up there, man. I can't think of I another mean, one. So I've it has to a bullet be. before and it, it's, it's, it takes some skill, man. Right. Also, your yeah. fingers got to hurt a little bit after you flick a bullet. Well, if, mm-hmm. so the trick is to not, you Let know, have a gap now? between, no, it's, it's not to, to have a gap between your finger and the object you're flicking. Oh, so just it's like to always have constant, close. Uh, uh, to constantly be touching it. If you're ah. touching it and then you flick it. There's no, there's no impact. Interesting. It's just all acceleration. Interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting stuff. All right. Well, right. the totally basis, <laughs> 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 the Changretta and Tommy meeting ends with a vow to fight with honor, which Changretta kind of broke maybe, but I guess they didn't break because they could have gone in the house and killed Esme, but they didn't, right? Yeah. So he seems like he does have a little bit of honor because they promised not to kill civilians or children. Tommy definitely mentions the children because of what he just dealt with with Father Hughes in um yeah in season three where he kidnapped Charlie. But uh, the main thing I think Changretta is concerned about is that that Tommy doesn't use cops in his favor. Yeah, hmm. what would you I do if you were why. Tommy? Would you keep your word or would you totally use cops and, and kill this guy? I would totally use cops and kill this guy. I would totally. I mean, it's it's the army. Yeah, yeah, it's the army you have. You gotta fight with what you got, man. What am I not gonna you use ha- you, half you, my force? Like, give me a break. I mean, look, if you got Luca Shangreta coming at your door, you wait till he turns around to walk out the door and shoot him in the back. Yeah. The final scene with Tommy and Arthur as they kind of like recount all the events of the episode and just kind of take it all in. I don't know about you, but I got the feeling if this is 
probably the place they used to hang out as kids when they were teenagers, like sneaking drinks back there or something. Like it just feels like that kind of place. This back alley. It feels like a little back alley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Place for some fun. And Tommy always plays hardened, but you know, he secretly loves small Heath. Arthur's the more nostalgic one, but Tommy's always kind of like trying to kill that side of himself. Yeah. Because he wants to be better. He just wants to improve. Yeah. Arthur just, I always feel bad for Arthur. Why? Because he just looks so destroyed. When he starts smashing his head against the bricks, I was like, oh. It's like the total opposite reaction that Tommy has. Like, Arthur smashes his head against the bricks, and Tommy takes out his gun and just blasts away, trying to just like, yeah. he's almost trying to drown out the sorrow with bullet, yeah. right? with bullet Literally. sounds. Because you can't, like, if you're in a war, if you're in a war, you can't be caught up in all of the, you know. Emotions of every little thing. Of having lost your brother. Like, you got to just push through and get through the vendetta, you know. Otherwise, why did he die? He died. I mean, he did technically die because he didn't just do what he had to do and listen, you know. He was just as equal part to the whole Trangretta um, vendetta that's going on here. Well, I mean, it was John Boy that started all of this. He did, but Tommy doubled down with him. That's where Tommy's fault also. Tommy comes did in. double down. I'm not I'm not trying to remove blame from Tommy or apply it all to to John Boy, but John Boy is the one who started all of this. And you know, I I didn't think of it until just now, but maybe that's why he was the one that was targeted first. You mean he's dead? Like they're doing it, doing it in order. Well, doing it in like you kill the man responsible first, and then you kill everybody else. I don't know. I don't really know. It does make sense. You're right. It does make sense. But, anyways, that, that does concludes the uh, episode two of season four so far, and a good one at that. It is good. Sad John Boy is no longer with us. I, I you do know, miss him. As I was writing podcast descriptions yesterday, which you still have not uploaded to the well, you sent to, the them to me yesterday. I had to work. I know. I'm just giving you shit for yeah. no reason. Um, yeah. I noticed that the same director directed every episode of this huh. season. I want to like verify this. So banter for a few minutes here as we get into the categories for this episode. While you look that up, my assumption is seasons one and two had a director that was the same director. Seasons three and four had its own set of its own director, and then five and six had its own director. So I think there was there's been three directors of this so far, and I'm assuming the last director, Anthony. Series one, series one, we get Otto Bathurst. For uh-huh. the first three episodes. Then we get Tom Harper for the final three hmm. episodes. Season two, and we get Colm McCarthy for the entire season. Who? Colm McCarthy, which oh, he killed Colm. it because season two is fantastic. Yeah. Season three, we get Tim M- Milance for the whole series. And then when season four, we get David Caffrey for the whole series. Hmm. And season five, it's Anthony Byrne's supremacy all yeah. the way through. Anthony Byrne is the only director of the show who gets double exposure in each season which is very interesting to me because despite the directors changing actually no i I gotta say each director has its own sense like there's its own tone to their seasons 
Mm-hmm. Season one is nowhere near as dark as season three and five and six. Season three, five, and six are the darkest of the seasons. Four is the closest to one and two, in mm-hmm. my opinion, in terms of tone. Um, seems to me like three was the direct, like five seems like a direct follow up to season three. Season four feels more like its own standalone thing. It does really feel like it. It, it felt like it was a season where there was just this open storyline they had to close out. They yeah, had to resolve something because it doesn't really go into anything else. It's like the it's like the most it's it's the season they did the least with in terms of setting up storylines. Because it's all yeah. about just closing out the vendetta with the Changretas. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I don't recall anything else. Did they have to do that simply because they had to kill John Boy? I think it would be foolish to spend an entire, an entire season, season on that. Yeah. I think they they did take some time in the last season to set this up. I mean, in the last season, we saw all of the drama that John Boy was causing with the Shangretas. Tommy doubling down. We saw all, all of all of the beginnings of that. Yeah. But I don't know, man. This I feel like it was just already set in motion and they were like, this is the best way we can get you it's out of here. A, it's a good topic to talk about on the on the finale of season four. That is I feel for like sure. since we're in episode two, it's kinda like a disservice to the to our fans and audience that um or not our fans, the Peaky Binder fans that are uh well, they're listening to us. Hopefully, there are fans and they like. Or they're just grinning and, and bearing it. But <laughs> they're just grinning and bearing it because the competition is open. No, who, like, we're kidding. We're giving, please get on. We're giving you some entertaining dialogue and commentary. I think. I mean, listen. I've listened to some other podcasts out there, and I'm just gonna shit all over them right now. I don't think they're as good. So. I haven't listened to a single other Peaky Pod. I've listened to one. We did pick up a quite a few, quite a bit of followers today, though. I gotta say. We did, we did. We're we're getting close to uh, our magic number. Exactly. I'm excited, and we got four more episodes to go. We have four more episodes to go to hit our magic number. I think we probably hit that number in two weeks. I think so, and I mean that's when we'll be done with our four episodes. True. True. Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker, Blue Label on that. No. Nope. Hell yeah. All right. Okay. Let's get into the categories. Let's do All it. right. The first one I'm going to go after is best character or characters of the episode. Hmm. It's tough because it's, I got to say Tommy doesn't really stand out too much in this episode for some reason. No. It's it's probably between Abarama and Polly. Michael Michael that. also has a bit of badassery in this episode with just that one line to Polly. Hmm. I need to get fast. You need to get better faster. Or I need what? to get better fast. I need to I need to get fast. I need to get fast. You need to get better faster. <laughs> I was trying to remember the line. How about now, how about you? I, I I'd probably give it to Abarama. Abarama's definitely definitely up there. Bonnie wasn't too big of a character at all. I mean I don't think he said anything more than like two words on the entire episode. Um, I'll knock out a tree, Mister Shelby. Yeah, I would give mine to Polly, but yeah. I'm gonna give 
an honorable mention because he's no longer with us. John Boy? John Boy. He's dead. The whole he's episode, dead. he's dead. Yeah. What about... He's dead. I, I give it to Paul. It's memorable, man. Paul, it's Remember, it's not best character. It's most memorable. What did he do in this episode other than he lie died. dead on a bed? That's it. That's it. it you should have given it to him on episode one. I got to give him a farewell. Well, he died on episode one. That's the he's reason you give it to him. Yeah, whatever. He kind of protected Michael. He was like a bullet sponge for Michael. Something like that. <sighs> I don't have anybody else I would give it to. Nobody really stood out that much in this. Everybody I give it, just... it to Polly. She has the most People. memorable lines. Yeah. Well, speaking of lines, best line of the episode. Um, it was, It's literally Polly. Uh, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. So let me find out the season four, episode four, episode two quotes. And while you're doing that, my favorite of the episode was when really Tommy talking. was talking to uh, Johnny Dogs about Abarama Golden. And oh, I got it. Whatnot. I know. I know. Okay, go He's ahead. like, I don't need good men. I need bad men. That's a good line. Uh, mine was Tommy, uh, Polly's when she says, when you're dead already, you're free. Yeah. I thought that was a That's great like, line. That is like the line for the entire show. Peaky Blinders show. Yeah. It's like the, the line behind Tommy's motivations and most for of the seasons. everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Next. <laughs> Best scene of the episode. The coin toss between Abrama and Tommy. Both, yeah. se- you know, both best scenes in this episode had to do with a finger flick. Either a coin toss <laughs> or a bullet being flicked across the table. Huh? I like them apples, boy. No, I like I like the intensity. How this really shouldn't be that much tension on a ridiculous offer there by Tommy and by Abrahamo both. But uh, Tommy does a way to ramp up the intensity. Like, I am really going to take your daughter. <laughs> if <Yeah>. you, <laughs> and if you don't flip this coin, everybody's going to look at you like a coward. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, that scene. That was great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, with the funeral. Great scene. Thank you. And very one of the very few scenes that we get backstory of mm-hmm. the boys' time in the war. Yeah. And having watched, you know, I, I said at the beginning of this season, this is the season that I've watched the least amount of times. I've never rewatched it except for one episode in this season that mm-hmm. I've rewatched a couple of times. Which I can't wait to do that episode. Uh, yeah. You know which one it is, I think, but we won't talk about it yet. Yeah. Uh, but I did not know. I knew the whole thing about Tommy saying everything was extra, but I never mm-hmm. knew the story. I always assumed it was them underneath the ground in the tunnels that it caved in because they always talk about Alfie says to Tommy in season two, I think it is. They talk about the company that Tommy was in and that the there were the tunnelers. <laughs> Yeah. And that the tunnel collapsed. And Alfie said, I heard everyone died. And he says, four of us got out. Four of, our, four yeah. of us dug ourselves out. He said something like that. I always thought I, it was that story, but it wasn't. It was another story. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that was like an unrelated event. Yeah. I would. I mean, I don't know what they could do with de-aging technology with AI, but a prequel story with Tommy and the gang going off to war yeah. and coming back would be terrific. Would be terrific because we still don't know enough details 
that the the war movie would be so interesting. It would be like 1917, you know? Yeah. Or yeah, Dunkirk even. Yeah. Well, Dunkirk was World War Two. That's true. Yeah. But, I mean, the actors were younger in that, so yeah, it would be. I get what you're saying there. It would be like the vibes of Dunkirk, yeah, but with like a 1917 backdrop type of thing. Yeah, the only the only reason I say that and think of that one is because Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy were in it. That's true, but Killian Murphy plays a it's like a paranoid uh, shell shocked man. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. any other categories? Uh, the only other one that I think we started doing was any or the most annoying moment of the episode. <sighs> Linda walking away as if she was actually going to go anywhere. <laughs> it's always Linda. <laughs> Her and Esme is like close second. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the most annoying moment of the episode to Polly at the family meeting early on. Actually like, like a pouty child. Yeah. I mean, she's like, the, she's literally the oldest person there and acting. What like about Charlie? He's probably older than her. Charlie. Charlie strong. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. But he's not really family family. Yeah, he is. He's the uncle. Oh, he is the uncle. Mm-hmm. Oh, well I totally missed that. He's the uncle on the father's side. I think so. Aside from Charlie, Polly is the oldest person there. She's the oldest female there. She's acting like a little child. Well, Charlie wasn't the one being hung by a noose, though. We're about to be it's hanging. True. A noose. It's true, but I also kind of feel like you're really Charlie downplaying the whole like almost hanging situation. Yeah, there. but I mean, look, Arthur was there on the noose. Michael was there on the noose. John Boy was there on the noose. You're right. You're right. Solid points. Three solid points. Thank you. But John Boy was the only one that allowed himself. I guess they all really allowed themselves to be estranged from Tommy, except for Michael. Yeah. Michael stuck with him through everything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that's that's all I got. All right. That's what I got too. That wraps the right. episode. That wraps the episode. L- ladies and gents, I uh I made friends with somebody today who also has a fellow podcast um about artificial intelligence and uh I went to go rate his show, but it turned out that I actually needed to listen to his show in order to rate it. So that means that if you can't rate our show, you must listen to at least a couple of episodes before you can leave us a glorious five-star <laughs> review with a comment in your name. And uh, what was the thing we were going to ask people to say in the comments? Uh, it was, was it their favorite line? Your favorite line from the show or comment something about Peaky Blinders. And we'll reference it in, the, in this podcast. At some we'll point. We'll give you a shout out too if you leave a comment. So we'll go over whatever you mention. Yeah. All right, Zach. Do your thing, brother. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode two of season four of the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google. You can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com. Is it still the Midnight Exchange? Podcast Network. It is at the moment. It is at the moment until hopefully this weekend. Um, But... Until then, you can visit the website there at themidnightexchange.com. There's a whole bunch of links out to other podcasts, social media. And once the new network gets rolled out, you'll be redirected to where you need to go anyway. So for anybody listening to this in the past, which is any time after we record it right now, uh, we'll get you where you need to go. That's deep. 
isn't it <laughs> what anybody say it again i said anybody listening to this podcast in the past which is any anybody what? listening to it after we record it right now what the my head just broke <laughs> what the you mean in the future uh, they're gonna listen to this podcast in the past i mean this is the past <laughs> right, let's end this episode right now let's end this let's end this all right i'm going to the wow oh stay peaky, stay peaky. 